RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. We are here in Lawfather headquarters. And as always, I just ask that you take a look at our social media, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and like and follow our social media. All of that really helps us out a lot. It really uh, gives me a good idea of how we're doing on the show. Uh, any comments, you can drop them in in social media. You can send me an email, lawfather at tampalawfather.com is the email address strictly for this show and any listener questions. And if you ever need to reach out, you're more than welcome to call me or text me at 855-LAWFATHER. So, you know, as always, I like to try to take some current events and turn it into a law-related discussion, kind of like Law & Order does with uh, their shows. They kind of rip from the headlines and turn it into a fictional TV show. I like to take really current events and turn them into real-life legal analysis. So, I want to take a deep dive look into impeachments and what they are and maybe why President Trump or former President Trump, however you want to word that, uh, was not convicted during his Senate trial. And I think history is going to give us a little bit of a lesson and it's going to touch on something that I mentioned when we had uh, Ian Beckles and DJ Eakin in on the podcast as we were talking about really uh, how to have a discussion, right? And how people with differing political beliefs can have discussions. And I mentioned it then uh, in regards to the inability for what the the House was looking to charge President Trump with for the impeachment, that it really didn't stand a whole lot of chance, okay? And it, it really just had this feel of uh, has been has been termed uh, political theater versus, hey, if you really want to convict somebody of something, then let's charge it appropriately. Um, so we'll take a deep look into that. But first off, let's look at this. There have been 21 total impeachment trials since the 1700s. Okay, just 21. Uh, the first president was the president right after Lincoln. Uh, had to do with Reconstruction and that whole thing. That really became a partisan peace. Uh, The next president was not Nixon, although you might think it was Nixon. Uh, Nixon actually left office prior to, and then uh, Bill Clinton, and then President Donald Trump having the uh, notoriety, if you will, to be impeached twice. So out of those who were the other people, well, there were uh, senators, legislators, and judges. Okay, those are the types of people who can be impeached. So it's not just the president. So you, you hear impeachment, and the the most common one that we think of when you hear that term is, oh, it's got to be a president. Nope, it can be a public official. All right. So let's take a look, though. 21 total impeachment trials. There have been four times that the person was either expelled or resigned, and the charges were dropped. All right, and I think that's very, very important. Uh, the Senate can expel members for various reasons. Uh, I don't know the process to that. It's a little bit outside. Uh, you know, when we look at things from the, the legal world, we, we focus on the scope of what we're dealing with and what we're talking about. Uh, and that expulsion piece is beyond the scope of what we're looking at today. Uh, but one time somebody was expelled, three times the person uh, there was there were resignations, and the impeachment charges were dropped. Okay, Uh, Nixon, the impeachment hadn't actually made its way to the Senate yet. So charges weren't dropped. It just 
it, it just fell apart. Nothing happened when he uh, when he resigned. I believe Nixon resigned office. So that would essentially be number five. They didn't continue. And I know the president that followed Nixon uh, also kind of came out and said that, hey, I, I don't want to impeach Nixon. Uh, it's done. It's over with. Let's move on. Uh, there, there's some theories out there that say that cost him a second term. Look, if you do something in the first year of a four-year term and people don't like it, uh, if you can't figure a way out in three years I, to do something better, I, I, I don't know. So I have a hard time believing that that was really the catalyst for uh, not getting re-election in that instance. But a little bit before my time, so I'm not going to take too deep of a dive into that. But let's take this and let's look at President Trump and how how we end up with an acquittal on something that seemingly on its face should have been a conviction maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I, I, like I said, before this ever came about, before the Senate trial ever happened, uh, I believe that uh, that podcast, and, and Jason would have a better idea of this, the, the podcast with Ian and DJ Eakin, happened actually before the, the House had um, done formal charges. Okay, And what I said then, and what they actually ended up doing, was charging President Trump with rebellion or insurrection. Now, he was still in office at the time that this happened. Now, we knew that the Senate trial was going to happen after he left office. One of the things that we really look at in the legal world, okay? And so look at impeachment like this. Impeachment is a political process that involves political people, right? Everybody involved is political. The House of Representatives who present the charges, the Senate who has the trial, and the person who is either charged or on trial, okay? All of those people are political figures. Judges, we'll say they're quasi-political figures, right? They're not supposed to be partisan, but they're either appointed by a political figure or they're voted into office, okay? So that said, we're dealing with politics all around, but there's a lot of legalities that come into play, right? So this is a legal analysis on something that is really very political, right? So let's take what we know about the legal world. And the legal world puts a lot of value on past occurrences, right? So if you look at it from this perspective, we have laws, right? Laws can come from one of two ways. You can have statutes, right? So those same politicians that we're talking about, the House and the Senate, they create the laws, right? So those are your statutory laws. And then we have something called case law, right? And case law is our history, right? So when you hear the Supreme Court ruled... X, right? The Supreme Court ruled it was unconstitutional for law enforcement to detain you and interview you without reading your rights. Okay? Miranda, right? You, We all hear on TV, uh, they didn't read me my rights, my, my Miranda rights. Okay? That's case law. That's not statutory. That, that didn't develop from politics, from politicians. Okay? That developed as a part of what we call case law, as history. Right. And now that history gets used over and over and over and over again. Right. So when you're when you're analyzing a criminal case where there's an interview, you go back and you look at Miranda and you look at all the cases since Miranda. OK, so Miranda was a person. That's where these things generally get their names from. Right. Whoever the first person is to have this issue really becomes the name and the face of these things. Okay, so we use history and we take the facts and, and each time something new comes up and there's a new wrinkle in the facts, there's a new piece of case law, right? And maybe it's not the precedent, right, that the original one was, 
but it gives us a roadmap so that we can look and say, we have these facts over here. How do these facts match up with prior history? Maybe these facts tell us, go back to the Miranda sense that, hey, that interview was good and it can be used and that confession can be used against that person. Or maybe it says, hey, it was no good, right? And it's all fact determining. It's all fact specific. It's no different, in my opinion, at least, on an impeachment trial, okay? And look, this is not meant to be a partisan analysis on it, right? This, is, this analysis is not meant to be Republican or Democrat. This analysis is meant to be, this is how the legal mind looks at it, right? Right, wrong, or indifferent, right? This is what the law says. And if we use precedent to set what we do now, right, why are we having a trial in the first place? Because if we look at every other time the person left office, those charges were dropped, okay? Or the proceedings never continued, okay? In, in one of those four, the, the charges had never made it to the Senate, right? So the House had, it, had charged, they never sent the articles of impeachment to the Senate, okay? That's the vehicle that you have to have. So the House sets the charges, right? They say, yes, this person should be charged. And then they send it over to the Senate. The Senate has the trial. Okay. So three of those times, the Senate dropped the charges because the person was no longer in office. And one of the times the charges actually never made it to the Senate because the person was no longer in office. And I think that's very, very, very important here, right? Because all of a sudden we're setting a precedent and we're maybe setting a dangerous precedent, right? Because the person's been out, the, the public has said, we no longer want this person here, okay? And the main purpose of impeachment is to remove the person from office, okay? That is, that is its goal. That is its purpose, all right? So if we're removing the person from office by a popular vote, why are we looking to set precedent after, right? Why are we looking to set a, a, what is seemingly a dangerous precedent Okay, not president like P-R-E-S-I-D-E-N-T, okay, but president with a C, okay. Why are we why are we setting that? It's a very dangerous road that I think we go down. It it really opens up the idea that impeachment can be partisan. And the reality is impeachment should be bipartisan. Okay, meaning that both sides agree that whatever was done was so bad that this person should be removed from office. Okay. But Put that aside. Let's just say that precedent supported these charges. Okay. Let's say that precedent supported an impeachment after somebody had left office. All right. I still think that Trump wins. Okay. And, and this isn't a, I'm beating my chest saying I support Trump because he did right. Look, I, I, I said when Ian and Eakin were on, I voted for, for Trump, not because necessarily him as a man, but you know, he is at that point, the face of the Republican party and, you know, political values, you know, guide, right? I, I don't necessarily look at the person. I look at, at the values and, you know, I, I've said it before I'm right in the middle. Okay. There are some Democrat ideals that I think are very valid. And there are some Republican ideals that I think are very valid. And, you know, on some levels you have to pick a side. Okay. But that said, I said it before the charges were brought, and I'll say it now, the charges didn't fit, okay? So regardless of whether or not 
you liked what he did or didn't like what he did, okay, or thought what he did was was wrong. And and look, what he did was use words, okay. And you can interpret those words. And maybe he shouldn't have used those words, okay. Maybe he should have been more careful with his word choice, knowing that there's a radical side to his base that will take those words and turn them into something that maybe was unintended. I don't know. I'm not standing up for anybody. I'm just kind of putting the things out there because he was charged with insurrection. And here's the U.S. Code, which is the statute. Okay, that, that's how the U.S. calls it. Uh, if On the state level, it's a statute. On the federal level, it's code. So for a rebellion or insurrection, and you got to love when they use the the word to actually define what it is. So it doesn't really help us a whole heck of a lot, but here's what it is. Whoever incites, sets on foot, assists, or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof, or gives aid or comfort thereto, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both, and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. That's what they charge Trump with, okay? Here's the problem. Really difficult charge to prove based on the facts that we had. All right. As I've said a few times, this is what may have been a better charge. If we get past that precedent issue that we mentioned, if it's me on the other side doing the legal analysis, and look, I'm not saying I'm the, the brightest legal mind that there is. Uh, I'm sure that there's you know, several lawyers out there far smarter, probably the ones who drafted these charges and, and were on Trump's legal defense. Although, as, a, as an aside, he did have a personal injury lawyer uh, on his defense team. So uh, if any of you need, uh, need defense in an impeachment trial, hey, I'm your personal injury guy for you. Give me a call. But anyway, what seems to fit better, okay? Yeah, does it have that kind of sexy feel of rebellion or insurrection? We're going to charge him with rebellion. Well, okay. That sounds good, right? Theater sounds great. How about sedacious conspiracy? Yeah, what what does that even mean? Right? But why? Right? We we don't know what that means. It doesn't sound good. The general public won't know what it is and it won't grab a headline. Yeah, it'll grab a headline. Hey, uh, President Trump was charged with sedacious conspiracy. People go, "Yeah. Okay. What is that?" And they're going to move on with their day because hey, the news cycle is about 10 seconds these days. But here's what it is. If two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force the government of the United States or to levy war against them or to oppose by force the authority thereof or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States or by force to seize take or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. Okay? Here is why that's the better charge. Here is why you actually would have a chance of a conviction on this. Right? It's right there in it. Or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States. I think that's what happened, right? I'm pretty sure I'm not a history buff, but I'm pretty sure that these people went in and they took control of property of the United States. And I'm also pretty sure that they hindered or delayed the execution of any law in the United States. Pretty sure both of those things happened, right? 
It was on the news, right? And I know there's those conspiracy conspiracy theorists out there that say, hey, the news doesn't really tell the news. But hey, you know what? There was video. I'm going to go with that actually happened just as it looked on TV. All right. It's the conspiracy part. So let's let's break that down a little bit. Right. What is a conspiracy? So you don't have to commit the actual act to be guilty of a conspiracy. And that is where the rebellion and insurrection falls apart. Okay. He wasn't there. President Trump was not there at the time. He wasn't the one leading the charge. He wasn't taking him up the hill to battle. Okay. Think about the kind of civil war and, and, and revolutionary war buffs out there, right? We're, we're charging up the hill to battle, right? Led by our leader, but that's not what happened, right? What the idea was, was that the words that he used, the words that President Trump used, was what started that process. Well, that's what a conspiracy is. It's the words, right? It's two people coming together to say, hey, we should do this, okay? This, sh- this is what should happen. But only one of them has to do it, right? Only one of them has to take the action, okay? And if we look at what the jury instructions are, and jury instructions are very good. They, they really tell us what's needed in order to to show us how to prove a crime, okay? And it's, it's really very important. And, and those jury instructions tell us that at least one member of the, cons- of the conspiracy committed at least one overt act, okay? I, I think that's where you could be successful, right, in a charge like that. But hey, it's not what they chose. It's what I would have chosen, right? But hey, I'm just some lowly personal injury lawyer, Okay. Although it turns out us lowly personal injury lawyers can defend an impeachment process. So there you go. If you're ever getting impeached, like I said, give me a call 855 Law Father. I am your guy for your impeachment defense. Huh? All kidding aside, probably not. Okay. <laughs> um, not well, well outside of my wheelhouse. But anyway, let's look at, at the history though. Okay. The the history of impeachment is this. It came over from England. Okay, it's something that we took with us when we left English rule. But we changed it around a little bit. We we took it to fit what we wanted, right? And what was given in it was a very general, very general framework of it. It says that it is used for high crimes and misdemeanors, but it doesn't define what high crimes and misdemeanors are. I would say the two charges we talked about would really fit the bill as high crimes and misdemeanors. Uh, in the English system, though, the English could impeach almost anyone for anything. We've really narrowed that down, okay? So we've really constrained who can actually be impeached, which I think is a good thing, all right? Here's the other thing. In England, they could put you to death, all right? So you get impeached. It's not just we're going to take you out of office. We're, we're going to kill you, too, all right? Uh, the U.S. took that away. So death is not a, a part of what the U.S. impeachment part looks like. And they've narrowed down uh, who can be. And they've taken it from any crime to high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, seemingly that would be felonies and misdemeanors because I don't know how you could have a high crime and misdemeanor definition and have some felonies not fallen because a felony is generally a, or not generally, a felony is a higher crime right on the 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 level than a misdemeanor. So, you know, kind of interesting there. Uh, I have a quote for you from Representative Gerald Ford uh, during an unsuccessful attempt to impeach 
Supreme Court Justice Douglas in 1970, so not that long ago, right? Uh, An impeachable offense is whatever the majority of the House of Representatives considers it to be at a given moment in history. All right. So that's that's where we talk about what what do high crimes and misdemeanors? What does that mean? Well, that right. It's whatever the majority of the House of Representatives considers it to be. All right. So that is what it is. Now, once you've been convicted of or once you've been impeached, so you've been convicted at your trial. Right. There is no appeal. So when we think about it like this, when we think about it from the civil law side, the criminal law side. You generally always have an appeal because you're working at the state level. And at the state level, if you don't like what's happened, whether no matter which side you're on, you can appeal it to the Circuit Court of Appeals or the District Court of Appeals, rather. And then after that, up to the Supreme Court of the state, if they take it, right? The, those places have to agree to take it. But you don't have that option. And the federal level has appeals too. It's the same process, state and federal, in terms of appeals from... Try, we call it the trial court level, okay? So the Senate would essentially be the trial court level, and then it can be appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court in each state. Uh, if it's big enough, so Miranda, go back to that example, that was a case out of Arizona. The original case was uh, state of Arizona versus Miranda. The case law flips it to Miranda versus Arizona, and it actually goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, okay? So state state action that actually moves up into the federal courts, that's the progression there is no progression when you're talking about an impeachment trial, okay? But there is one way to appeal it, and that's been done. Uh, the only time that I found that it's actually been done was in 1993, uh, where uh, Walter Nixon Jr. was impeached. I don't believe that there's any uh, relation with Walter Nixon Jr. to uh, President Richard Nixon, but uh, I'll leave that to history buffs out there. I don't see any. I just know it's a different person, that's for sure. Um, but anyway... At that time, the Senate said, because the Senate sets the rules for this, right? This is so wide open that each time the Senate can set different rules. And the Senate had decided, hey, we're going to use committees. And what these committees are going to do, we're going to have a trial committee. And this trial committee is going to hear all the evidence and put all the pieces together. And then they're going to present a report to the full Senate. And then the full Senate will vote. And and it has to be a supermajority vote. So if we look back, President Trump actually had the majority of the votes in the second impeachment were for impeachment. However, it didn't reach the supermajority level. All right. So he was not impeached. He was found not guilty. Well, in Nixon's, in Walter Nixon, that is, the committee took it to the full Senate, full Senate uh, supermajority, agreed to impeach. He then appealed it to the Supreme Court, but not on the basis of the conviction. He brought it on constitutional grounds. So a lot of times, if you can't appeal something, but there's a constitutional argument you can make, that's the one you make. And that's what he did. And in 1993, he brought it on constitutional grounds with the, and the Supreme Court upheld the committee structure and that the Senate has the right to determine its own procedures. Okay. So the Supreme Court, a lot of times will interpret what our founding fathers meant for these, for these things to mean, um, you know, it, it's not perfect, right? We can't go back and ask any of them. Uh, I was talking to somebody, I forget who it was a while back. Uh, it was another country that their government has only, or, or their constitution, I believe, has only been in place for a very short time. So when their Supreme Court has questions, they can actually go to those framers and go, hey, what'd you mean by this, right? And come up with their rulings. Well, you know, 
none of the the founding fathers are still alive. Uh, it'd be quite quite a scientific miracle if they were. Uh, so we can't do that. So we have to go. This is what we think they meant by it, and this is what in 2021, this is what they would have would have meant for it to be. Because I don't think that there's anybody who believes that in the 1700s anybody could have thought of where we are in 2021 in terms of technology and cars and just everything that we have now, right? Take politics out of it for a second. Everything we have, there's no way that people in the 1700s could anticipate where we are now, okay? So it's it's kind of good. We get to bring it up to where we currently stand on things. So that that's kind of the precursor, not the precursor, that's kind of the explanation, okay, on impeachments and some of the reasons why President Trump was not convicted of impeachment. And hey, maybe a reason or maybe a way that they could have been successful, although I think at the end of the day, the analysis still fails because he was no longer in office. And the point of it is, is to remove somebody from office. Okay, that is what it is. Those are the elements of it. Okay, love it, hate it, fall somewhere in between, you know, that that's what it was and and you know i think it's time that to turn the page on that chapter of history and you know for for everybody's sake we all move on and uh all come together and look to move forward we move out of this pandemic and uh you know let's let's just keep moving forward let's put the past to the past you know and uh as i tell my staff right we don't worry about the things we can't control we can't control the past never going to control Donald Trump. <laughs> that's one thing that's never going to happen. You can be sure of that. Okay. So anyway, that is impeachment. This is the Lawfather podcast. If you have any listener questions, lawfather at tampalawfather.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and check us out on all of our social media. It's the Lawfather here, Lawfather headquarters. Hope you like our new sign. Those of you watching us on the video, that is the show for today. Lawfather out. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 